See you guys. Left my Bible back here. How about the worship team God's given us? No, I'm thankful. I'm thankful this morning. We still got a bass guitar sitting over here. Anybody that plays bass and is feeling called to be a, a part of serving and worshiping God? You know, we've I prayed from the beginning that when we had people and musicians and singers on the stage, uh, I mean, I want, we want them to have talent, and God gives us talent, but the heart is the most important thing. When you're on this stage, really all we're trying to do, we're not trying to put on a show, we're not trying to play songs for you all, we're trying to worship with you. We're trying to be with you as a part of this. And to do that, no matter how talented you are, if your heart's not right and you're not doing it for God, it's really difficult to lead a congregation in worship. I'm thankful for the people that God has surrounded us by. Give God a hand for that. Not them, not us. God a hand for that. Um, See, I'm going to get Rodney to bring the house lights up a little bit. I think there's people out there, but I can't. There we go. There you are. Everybody have a good week? Thankful for another week. Uh, let's see. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Um, Matthew chapter 13. There it is. I found it. Matthew 13. Uh, it's, a, it's a very popular story. You're familiar with it. You've heard it before. Sometimes people call it uh, the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils. Um, but that's where we are this morning. This is number seven out of ten. We're doing a, a ten sermon series on uh, Jesus stories. Not stories about Jesus, but stories that Jesus told, his parables that he taught with. That, that all, all these parables, they are about real world things, but they demonstrate a spiritual truth. It's almost like a simile or a comparison to spiritual truth is always buried in the, the depth of these stories. And uh, this one, uh, again, I've read many times but never studied in depth. And guess what? When I did, God just blessed me. I mean, just to know what he was talking about here and to think of what we can take from this passage of Scripture um, I mean, it's just blessed, blessed my heart this week uh, while studying it, and uh, it's grown my, grown my faith. Um, I'll ask you this morning, how is your heart? Not like, have you been to the cardiologist lately? Um, heart. But in the Bible, uh, it's continually references the heart as kind of the core part of the human personality, really what sometimes we would think of as the mind. But it's the depth of who you are and the depth of how you feel about something and decisions you make and emotions you feel uh, in the Bible all stem uh, from the heart. So I'd ask you this morning, we're going to talk today's message is about heart condition. And that's exactly what this story is about that Jesus is telling here. Um, he's talking about sowing seeds. Y'all heard the story, right? The farmer goes out, he sows seeds. Some of the seeds land on uh, to the wayside or the, the path, and you know, a bird comes and plucks them away. Some of it falls on stony ground, some of it on pretty good ground, but thorns grow up around it, and some of it on fertile ground where it grows and produces 30, 60, sometimes 100 fold. Uh, this is what we're going to look at this morning. Those are really a 
pictures painted of four different stages that our heart can be in, uh, the condition our heart can be in. And we're going to dive into that this morning. What makes fertile soil? Talk to your neighbor and, and figure out. You got some farmers around you? Manure. Manure. That's pretty good. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> well, uh, let's not use that illustration next time. <laughs> but, you know, we get some of that in life too, I guess. Uh, what else makes fertile soil? The ground. ground. It's, it's, it's prepared. It's, it's broken up. Fertilizer, yeah, I like that better than manure. Let's use that one. Sunshine, rain. So you got to have the right mixture of of uh, of, uh, of of moisture, of fertilizer, of of sunlight. You got to have all these things. And this is as Jesus tells this story. Those are the things we're thinking about. Hey, I got a great farm in my family here, and uh, we we we've gardened. Uh, every year, but this last summer, because we were in the midst of a move, but we do a little small garden, and uh, I say we, mostly her, uh, and I, I help as much as I can and enjoy it. Uh, I really do enjoy it. Uh, I love growing tomatoes because you basically just plant them and then come back and pick them when they're, when they're finished. They don't need much work and attention over time. Um, but as you think about in this, this story, soil represents the human heart. And as you just thought about what makes fertile ground to grow a seed or do a garden, uh, I want you to think about what creates a fertile heart. This seed that's being thrown out in this story is the word of God. It is truth. It is about who Jesus is. It is, it is how you get saved. It, 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 it is the, 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 the absolute truth that this world seeks for. It is where you find purpose by your creator. That is where that is. And, and he tells us there's four conditions of our heart and certain conditions, the seed will just hit our heart and bounce off basically. The word of God will hit our heart and the devil will pluck it away just like that before it even gets planted, before it even gets into the, the ground. And we're going to talk about uh, some of that this morning. Uh, But here's Beth getting the ground ready. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to get our hearts ready. I used to read this story and think, okay, so there's four. I'm preaching here this morning. There's however many people are in this room. And I guarantee we got somebody from each of these four conditions of the heart. There's somebody here that their heart is so hardened, they're not going to hear. We're going to talk about that. There's... There's somebody here that's so distracted by the things and the worldly things in their life, they're just glad they can make it to church one Sunday uh, a, a week on a Sunday morning. And there's some that may be early in their faith and are being attacked and, being, uh, and feeling discouraged by, by people who have just second-guessed their faith and their decision to serve. Uh, and then there are some that just the seed is deeply planted and you're producing, you're producing. And I used to think, okay, we've got those four stages, and that, that the word's going to go out. I'm going I'm to share the word this morning. I get up and preach and teach. I'm not telling you anything about me. I'm, I get to share what God says, his truth. And when I do my best to get that truth out to you, one of those four things are going to happen. And uh, at some point, I thought, you know, probably uh, that's just the way some people are, and they can never change. And if you've got a stony ground heart, you'll just always have a stony ground heart. But I find through the scripture that, and and if you align it up with the rest of what Jesus teaches, we know a heart changer. (laughs) 
right? Over time, there are some things that we can do to get our heart ready to receive God's truth. And that's what I want to do here this morning. So let's read the scripture. I thought that was a cool picture. I just love to get to work it in. That's probably five or six years ago. Um, and she usually doesn't till. I usually plow the garden, um, usually. But nobody takes a picture of me when I do it. You know, it's like, well. Uh, so there's the garden. Today we're going to plow the fields of our heart. That should have been the title of the sermon, okay? We're going to prepare our hearts. Let's read what, uh, what Jesus taught here. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. That's the story that Jesus told. Uh, as you move on, I'm going to pass over a few verses here in the middle where the disciples, after he tells that story, the disciples go and say, Why are you teaching them parables? And Jesus basically says, because there's some people that are so blinded, they aren't going to understand what I'm saying. But the people whose hearts are truly open to Christ and truth and they have a heart after God, they're going to hear what I'm saying. And although it feels a little confusing, they're going to understand it because they're fertile ground. And then he goes on and he does me a favor in preaching on a parable like this. He tells us what he's talking about. That makes it a lot easier when he explains himself. Because he says this in verse 18, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. You've heard the story that gets thrown by the wayside, and this wayside space uh, it was the path through the garden, through the place where they were trying to grow. And what happens when you walk in a place over and over? It becomes trampled down. It becomes hardened. And the, the soil is not tilled up. It is not plowed up. And the seed falls there. And it has nothing to do but be great bird food. <laughs> right? That's all it can do is just lay in there. And, uh, and, and here when he referenced this, uh, what does he say? Who comes and snatches it? The evil one. If you go read in another gospel, it says Satan uh, and, and, and his adversary and, and his partners, they come and they snatch up the word of God before it can even get into your heart. I want you to think as we go through this, where am I? Where's my heart? How do I fit into this? What's the condition of my heart? Verse 20, Jesus goes on to say, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Many of us have met those people. We've seen them. They come. They get excited about God. 
difficult trials come soon after they profess faith or they get involved in church and it's just because they're not deeply rooted they find themselves surrendering verse 22 the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful Verse 23, this is the heart we all want, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So Jesus goes through and tells us, he explains the parable to us, right? That was very helpful, better than me just trying to guess what he's talking about and what the bird was and what the seed is and what the soil is, he tells us. And so I want to spend just a minute on each, each one of these and get a better understanding of where our hearts are. And then, then I want to take three, three things that we can do to plow up our hearts, to get them ready. Okay, three things that we can do to plow up our heart. So what are the things that harden our heart? If you think about this... Uh, this, this first illustration where it says it's fallen on, a, uh, on, the, on the wayside, it's fallen on uh, the path. We find that many things can harden our hearts. Many times it's pride. Many times it's fear. Many times it's disappointments. It's setbacks in life. It's it's somebody's let us down. Maybe another Christian was supposed to be a Christian and they did X. There are so many things that can harden our heart uh, and, and really begin to sear our consciousness, which is a word, a way the Bible puts it. But the number one thing that can do that is sin. Sin is the thing. Openly repeated, unrepented sin hardens your heart to God. See, at this level of, of this kind of hardened heart, this is the type of place that, that you come into, you showed up today, but you'd already decided you don't care what I'm going to say. Like, you've already decided that Christianity is this thing, and he's going to get up and talk, but I know better. I know the better way. I don't need that, uh, uh, and there, there's, there's no truth in that. I'm just going to go for the sake of going. That song I played last week, I, I, I'm sorry, God, for just going through the motions. That spoke to me, that line, I'm sorry, God, for just going through the motions. And sometimes this is where our heart can get. When we just decide to be our own God, decide to do our own things, you can take yourself so far down the line that you don't know right from wrong. And like your heart is not prepared, it is hardened when you walk through the door. And the word of God, I could say it, I could, I could set up YouTube and just let it read to you the whole Bible. And it, you listen, you hear it, but you're not going to listen. In your heart, it's not going to be planted. The second thing, this... Stony ground. Um, we find in this place uh, that there's a, a thin layer of soil, but it's all rocks underneath it. That uh, this, is, this is someone who has accepted uh, some amount of, of faith. Maybe they've come in and they've, they've made a decision 
uh, and, and you can do this, you can balance this, you can decide like, oh, I agree with everything you're saying, I agree with the Bible, and that's one thing, but it's a different thing in your heart to turn to it and trust it and commit to be obedient to it. And to invite Christ into it. You can agree, yeah, I believe there's a God. Yeah, I believe Jesus. Yeah, I believe Jesus was the Son of God. But I'm not going to be any part of it. I'm not going to submit my life to that. But I do agree with it. And so this seed, it goes in and it makes a, it, it creates some little, some little, uh, we had a meeting the other day and this guy grew microgreens. Y'all ever heard of microgreens? They were really good. Uh, but it's basically you plant a turnip and eat it in like the first seven days, just what comes out of the ground. And it supposedly has like a hundred times uh, the nutrients level as a full turnip or, you know, whatever the vegetable is. It was pretty good. But you harvest like every week, seven days, you take a harvest. Well, that's kind of, they're tiny. That's kind of what happens here. You got a little plant starting to grow. But here's what happens with all these stones under the ground. This plant is not deeply rooted it's not rooted enough in faith to withstand the trials that are going to come against you so it gets out and it doesn't have enough root getting enough water enough enough spiritual truth and faith and the sun hits it the devil hits it trials hits it trouble hits it and it scorches up and withers away Then we find the fertile soil, but it's surrounded by thorns. And this is, this is soil where your faith really starts to grow. Somebody's faith is really starting to grow. Um, but they're so distracted, as God put it, as Jesus put it. So they're so distracted by worldliness. They're distracted by the things that surround us, the things, wealth, the uh, maybe it's some form of uh, of addiction. Maybe it's it's some it's a career or it's power or it's, it's it's just so distracted that so many other things are so more important that this worldliness is calling us out of faith and church becomes not a priority but just another thing on our list that we do as part of our social uh, existence. We go to church on Sundays and that's what we do, but it's not deeply rooted and it's all these thorns in life and the world that the devil is thrown at you distracting you from your faith here's the the scary thing without a deeply rooted god's word in our heart we can't be saved <laughs> we can't be saved this is where uh, it gets uh, very important because in the bible it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And here he's teaching this story that the word of God is coming out and it's falling different places. And you have just already decided, some people, to not even hear what I'm saying. So you're never going to be saved until you change your mind about who God is and what you're going to do with it. Let me share the, the, the three things. Um, you can do to plow your heart. We know the last one. We know the last, the last soil. <clears throat> Three things to do to plow our hearts for God. Uh, the, the first thing that we have to do 
and this is in any particular order. It's not really the first thing. I'm saving the first for last. One thing we need to do is deepen our roots. Deepen our roots. Thank you, thank you. So I'm going to tell you some practical ways. All right, what's that mean? What are you talking about, deepening our roots? I'm not a gardener. I've never gardened. I don't even like vegetables. We got, we got somebody that works, works with me at SOAR. He is like, he's afraid of vegetables. <laughs> like, if just he's scared to death. He just, he's a meditarian. I don't know what that's called. Uh, he won't eat vegetables. He's scared of them. And so maybe that's you. You're like, what do you mean deepen my roots? I'm going to tell you some practical things that you can do uh, to deepen, uh, deepen your roots, your roots in faith and your trust in Christ to start to plow up your heart. Uh, the, the first thing is all throughout the New Testament, the, uh, when, when the Bible refers to the church or a new church that was started, if you look at Acts, everybody knew who was a part of a church and who was not. And, and so what I will say is, what I, what I want to say here is, I'm, this is not uh, propaganda for you to join and become a member of New Beginnings Fellowship Church. But it, it is propaganda to say that we should make some formal commitment to be some part of a local body of believers. Does, does that make sense? If you want to deepen your roots, because there's just something in the head and the mind to say, oh, I just go there sometimes. Does that make sense? Or I go different places. And that makes it really easy to maybe one Sunday is like, well, they might think I'm over there or over here. And uh, so I might not go anywhere. So this gives you ability to deepen your roots and make some formal commitment. You, this is not first. You don't join the church to get saved. You, this is after you've given your heart to Christ. But to make some formal commitment when God puts it on your heart and says you're ready, that I'm going to be a part of what God is doing in this body of believers. <clears throat> Second thing, after you formally join that body of believers, <clears throat> James said, "Faith without works is dead." Uh, the the number one way you can grow your faith is to serve someone else. Is to volunteer in some ministry and some outreach, and not just. Uh, not just be a part of the church, but to give back and think about someone else. I always say, man, if you're having a, a down day, think of somebody else that needs help. It always helps me when I'm struggling. I think of somebody else, and I do my best to send them a note, a text, an email, because I know if I'm struggling, somebody else is struggling. <clears throat> and as long as you're thinking about yourself, the devil makes it all about you, then, then we're not taking care of one another. So join a body of believers. Make that formal commitment. Two is serve, give back, volunteer, um, serve with your heart, your time, your treasure, your talents. Uh, sec third is surround yourself by a set of close friends who are believers. Uh, I'm not saying you can't. You don't be friends with You've got to ask them, are they a Christian? Before you can be friends with them. That's not what I'm saying. But it's really important that your core, your close group of friends, you got people that you can share you know, deeply. You know, here's what happens when we get in a group like this or even on a group on Wednesday night adult Bible study where there's 35 or 40 of us. 
Uh, it, it gets really hard to become vulnerable with each other. That means when we have prayer requests, we, we say things like, pray, pray for so-and-so, they're sick. We never say, you don't open up in front of 40 people or 100 people or 150 people and say, pray for me, I feel like quitting this week. You need somebody you can say that to. You need somebody, a close group of people that understands and say, I'm going to get in the trenches with you. I'm going to pray with you or, or pray with me. My, my, my daughter, my child, they won't talk to me or they're, 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 they're just out of control. Those are the things we don't say in these public settings, but you can say amongst a close group of spiritual friends. You need those group, that group of people in your life. Uh, and then I would say, uh, study the Bible. That was pretty f straightforward. <clears throat> if you want to get the Word of God in your heart, you want it deeply rooted, don't trust me. I can't do enough just on Sunday mornings to get it deeply rooted. I, I need you to go throughout the week and say, what did he preach on this week? Did what? He said that was a Greek word. Was that really a Greek word? Have y'all ever backed me up on that? I could say anything to you all. I mean, y'all could be going around thinking you're saying Greek words, and I just made them up. You got to do some self study. You got to take some ownership and say, I, "What's he talking about? Is he just making this up?" I want to know for real. <coughs> An easy way to do that that I found is a daily devotional. I mean, if you don't have time to, uh, and you're saying I don't have time to do my own study, get a daily devotional every day. It'll read you a passage of scripture, and and it will it will expound on it. Like I want, it's like a it's like a five-minute sermon every morning before you go to work. Get you a devotional. Improve your prayer life. Uh, all these things deepen our roots. <laughs> so that's the first thing. Deepen your roots in faith. You're saying, I've been coming. God's not really speaking to me. He used to speak to me. He doesn't really anymore. Deepen your roots Open your heart. The second thing is, uh, this one's going to be much shorter, um, focus. Maybe I should change that to realign your priorities. At least reassess our priorities. Let's go there. That's not too much to ask, is it? I'm not going to come right out and say, you got your priorities all wrong. But there's times each week, every day God reminds me, you had your priorities wrong today. You were thinking about something all day long and you weren't even thinking about me. Or you were focused on this and I need you focused on that. God is continually speaking to me in that way and maybe he doesn't you. But that, those thorns, the worldly distractions... Your career, your school, your, 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 even your family, your entertainment, fun, hunting. I, I don't hunt. Do y'all hunt? Got some hunters? I went squirrel hunting once. You have to like sit still and wait. I can't figure that out, how that's fun. I'm just, I'm not wired that way. Um, but there's things that can distract us that remove our focus. God has purpose. He has 
He has called us. He is speaking to our hearts. He has things for you today to do each day, some purpose this week. It could be in your job, but don't start thinking your job is separate than him. Remember, he walks with you and he talks with you. He goes where you go. And can we reassess our priorities and just think, what is most important this week? Am I waiting till Jared quits so I can get to the real thing I need to do this day? Can I get through Sunday so I can get to Monday and start my real list of what life has for me this week? That's where we get to. When we're so distracted by so many things and this crazy schedule... Those are all thorns moving us one step away from God. The third thing, and I, I said it, kind of hinted at it earlier, <clears throat> the number one thing uh, that we can do to harden our hearts to God is sin. Continual unrepentance. Sin. That means you've not taken it to God and you've, you've not said you're sorry. You've not asked for forgiveness. <clears throat> you know, repenting is really about changing your mind and saying, you know what? Yeah, I did that, but I don't want to do it anymore and I need your help. Not just I'm sorry, but I want to change and I want you to change me from the inside out. Uh, that type of, of sin can harden your hearts. In 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, and the Bible says eventually that he will give you over to a reprobate mind. That, that you will go to a point that you could be passed. Yeah, I can't balance those two. Only God understands it and knows it. He says, for whosoever believeth on me shall have everlasting life. He says, and he, anyone who comes to me will no wise cast out. He says, if we go to him and ask to forgive our sins, that he will. But this scares me when I hear that there are some people that can harden their hearts so much that they can become so far away, so distracted, that they may never come to him. They may never choose to go to him because you've hardened your heart. I used to think that maybe, I mean, people go through different things in life and, you know, people have difficult things. I mean, abuse and things they go through that can harden Hardened hearts. Um, and I used to think that you're in this situation, like I said earlier, and there was really no way. Uh, well, I knew there was a way to change it, but I didn't see that there were things that we could do. I think there's some lessons here that part of our heart preparation is on our own account and not just God to do it all. And I think as he speaks here, um, as he's telling this story, and I thought about that group of people, because I've been there. I'll just be honest, I've been there. I've been the, 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 the kid that was raised in, in, in church, made a profession of faith when I was young, and went to college, and met the professors that were atheists, met the professors that started asking the hard questions, and let me tell you where I was. I was this soil that was about like this with about this much rock under it, right? And when they started asking me those questions, I started going, hmm. Right? I started to question myself. Is this, 
well, I've never been exposed to this kind of thinking or this intellectual approach to, to God. And, and so for a couple of years, I did some seeking. I, I mean, I was really asking the hard questions. But God slowly started to break up my heart. He started to use things in my life that started to, to, to plow that soil. And I realized that you don't have to throw all your intellect away. You don't have to throw all your intellect away, away to believe that Christ was who he was and he did what, what he said he did. Amen. That actually, as I've come this far, it takes more faith. For, I can't, I mean, it takes more faith to believe that that there is no God or that, that there was uh, just uh, you know, this big bang and we all, we all happened here. I want, I want you to think, maybe you're coming here today and that's your, mind, mind, your mindset. That you're just going through the motions and you don't know if God's real or not. It could, your heart could be so hard that you have completely dismissed Christianity and going to church is just a thing you do for somebody else. The Bible says you think you're chasing wisdom and eventually you're going to get it. And you're going to think you're so wise. And he says in the process you've become a fool. It says that, and I mean that in no offensive way. That's just what God's word says. Because there's a thing, that because this Bible in the world is the absolute truth. It's Without it, without believing this is true... You can't have right or wrong. I mean, I'm getting into some type of intellectual debate here, and I don't mean to do that. But if you say something's, you say, well, I think that's okay to do. Okay, well, who says it's okay? Well, I think people should decide what's right and wrong. Okay, so, well, I decide what's right, and you decide what's right for you. Well, then, is murder okay? Well, that person, no, that's not okay. Well, who said? Why is that not okay? Why is that all of a sudden this kind of universal? If everybody gets to decide what is right and wrong for you, there's got to be some absolute truth of what is right and what is wrong and where are we going to get it from? Where are you going to get it from? Our creator. He gave us what is right and what is wrong. You, you begin to think you have all the answers and yet, absent this book, you can't even explain where you came from. We, we can't even decide. I mean, why were you born? How tall were you going to be? You had nothing to do with it. Who had something to do with it by chance? I don't know. We were at the zoo the other day, and, and I saw these monkeys. What were they called? Mercados or something. Do you remember what they were called, Beth? I don't remember either. But there was this family. A family of monkeys, a dad, a mom, and this little monkey. And I was reading on the thing. It said every morning the dad gets up, and to, and to get the family ready, he sings them a song, and they all sing together. And it said that the baby actually has to practice over the first year or two of its life to learn the song that the dad sings so it can sing that song to its family someday. And I thought, and it said that the dad will sing the song. The family wakes up and sings this, you know, beautiful song in the morning. And they go out and find food. And then right after lunch, the dad starts singing another song, which means they all come in and take a nap in the afternoon. 
and they sing this song together, and then they just hang out. And I watched as they were just going across this. They were they were in this uh, you know this place. It was it was beautiful, and they were swinging from limb to limb, and the baby was just hanging on, and the mom was like not really caring, kind of aggravated with it, like leave me alone. I felt that before, and you're watching these these just these monkeys that are incredibly intelligent. And it's just happened? This is one example. just happened? I think about all the intricacies of how our body works and, and, and one cell, one vein. I think about the earth and it's still on the axis. If it's one degree different, we're all dead. All these things. Who do you think holds it all together? Just by chance, we're just floating around. Your unwillingness to even consider the word of God will prevent you from ever knowing real truth until it's too late. When you get your heart in that type of condition, you will just dismiss everything I just said. The devil will be plucking away this word as it's flying out, and he's just taking it with him. And he's laughing and loving every moment of it. Or maybe you're someone who uh, used to love attending church each Sunday, but you made friends with people that thought church wasn't cool. You see that happen sometimes. Who thought Christians were backward and so 1995. And all of a sudden, you begin to question yourself, wait, is church cool? Am I going to church to be cool? Church is cool. That church is cool, but this church ain't cool. I'm, I want to be in a cool church. But if church ain't cool at all, then I might not go to church. Maybe I shouldn't go to church because my faith is not deeply rooted. Or maybe you're suffering from depression, addiction, anxiety, some other mental health disease. Maybe you've hit a bump in the road, and rather than digging deeper in your faith and God's word, You've let the trials, the tests, the difficult times scorch your faith. Or maybe you're someone doing best to schedule church in when you can, when it works out, <coughs> when it's convenient. And you realize it's just been a thing on your list, maybe fifth on your list, tenth on your list, I don't know. But Jesus teaches here that for the word to be planted and us to find salvation and to produce 30, 60, 100 fold our soil, our heart needs to be broken and fertile ground. Maybe you're here today and that's you. You've humbled in such a way that you're hungry for truth. You came in wanting to find out more about who Christ was. That you're soaking in the word of God. Maybe you've been coming week after week after week and you started out at the first at the first days, like, I'm just going because somebody wants me to. But I can promise you, as you willingly submit yourself to hear, not me, but what God's word says, if you really listen, you'll begin to see your heart change. Maybe here this morning seeking promptings from the Holy Spirit, praying for deep-rooted faith and thankful for God's grace. I pray this morning that we could all Leave here this morning with our hearts plowed. Plowed for Christ. A commitment to deepen our roots. A commitment to open our hearts and minds to the truth 
of who he is, a commitment to, to reassess priorities and focus on him and not all these other things that are distracting us from what's most important. And, God, and that our hearts would be plowed up and we'd begin to produce, produce collectively. Yeah, it, it basically says, the Bible says that we will, we will be known by the fruit that we bear. And some of us may bear a hundredfold and some of us may bear 30. But you can, if you want to know, well, what's my heart? Where, what stage am I at? What kind of fruit are we bearing? Look at the fruit in your life. Is God bringing people to you? Are you sharing Christ with them? Are they growing in their faith? Are you leading your family spiritually? Always you can look at your life. God, we thank you at this moment as we get ready to close this morning. God, we thank you for this word and the power of your name. Lord, to break up fertile ground, to, to, to break up hardened hearts. God, I know this word is true and it's you. I pray that it went out and it hit somebody today. I pray that, God, they'd open up their hearts, that they'd receive it. God, I pray that you continue to work across our hearts and just plow up this ground, God. Where your word, where your seed, where your purpose in our lives and in our church can be fulfilled. God, I pray if there's anybody here this morning that has never given their life to you, this would be the day that your word, this seed, fell on fertile ground. God, that they would step out in faith and put their trust, their hope in you. God, if there's anybody here this morning that just has sin in their life, things that they've been doing and not even realizing, but realize it's just gone on too long. And if there's anything that can separate us from you and from us and you, it's sin in our lives. God, let us turn that over to you. Let us repent of it. Let us just thank you for your promise that you'll forgive it and your grace and mercy is always there. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we stand this morning for a song.